I'm Aaron Reynolds, and you're listening to Explain Like I'm Five on the 2020 Network, brought to you by Interac. For nearly 35 years, Interac has brought the most innovative payment technology to Canada. Today, Interac is building on its track record of innovation in some exciting new ways. Find out how they're changing the game at developer.interac.ca. I like to think that I'm an intelligent guy, but I know more about spaghetti westerns than I know about the Northwest Territories, and that's kind of a problem. So that's why I'm inviting really smart people onto this show to explain things to me like I'm five. Recently, the Ontario government cut support for some French language services, and I got to thinking about it. We're officially a bilingual country, but what does that mean? We have an Official Languages Act. But what does it do? I needed someone who could answer these questions. I have with me today Raymond Théberge, the Commissioner of Official Languages. Thank you so much for being here. Pleasure being here. I wanted to ask you uh, about the Official Languages Act, and I, I wanted to ask you the, the, the very most basic question about it, which is, what is the Official Languages Act? Well, the Official Languages Act was passed in 1969, mm-hmm. and in the act, it gives a, a mandate to the commissioner. And my mandate is simply is to ensure that French and English are, are equally used in parliament, Okay. federal institutions, and all those institutions govern under the Act. And secondly, it's to ensure the promotion, the development, and, and the vitality of minority language communities in Canada. And thirdly, it's to promote French and English within Canadian society. And, uh, and, and there's a reason, there's a history behind that. Uh, the act came at a time when there were significant tensions between between Anglophones and Francophones mm-hmm. in Canada, and the act was 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 a bridge between two communities, and it enabled us to over time uh, ensure that we had French and English as official languages within the country, and the ultimate goal is equality. But we have a long way to go before both languages are equal. Right, and so th- we're on then fifty years uh, uh, next year. Of the of the act is that right? That's correct. Uh, it, it will be celebrating. Celebrating is a word we use to, to <laughs> the act, and uh, we're hopeful that so there will be changes brought brought forward to make the the act more relevant, and more actual, okay. a little stronger, more robust. Okay. And so I, I want to dive into that. I want to ask um, about changes to the act. I also want to ask um, a little more about why it was created. What was what was the climate when the Official Languages Act, you know, was 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 introduced? Well, the the act was the result of the BNB Commission, uh, which was the Bilingualism and Biculturalism uh, Commission okay. in, in the early sixties, and it, it studied basically the relationship between French and English in Canada. And it led to the creation of the Official Languages Act in 1969, but also it led to the, the, the official, the Multicultural Act of 1972, because oh. there was, 
when the BNB Commission was was doing its investigation, uh, a number of of communities said, "Well, we're not part of this bicultural uh, uh, landscape. We're multicultural." For example, the Ukrainian community in Western Canada, right, the yeah. German community in Western Canada. So instead of being BNB, it became bilingual and multicultural. So basically, that's where our whole diversity piece for the country started, and. It was a way to, like I said earlier, to build bridges between communities. Mm-hmm. It was also to bring some linguistic peace to, to the country at, because at the time, in 1970, we had the October crisis right. and the tensions were very high. And so it's been a way to ensure that francophones feel at home anywhere in Canada. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's fascinating. We had we had uh, Andrew Griffith on uh, a few weeks ago to talk about Canadian immigration, and one of the points that he made was that uh, Canada's attitudes towards uh, immigration are largely informed by the fact that we already had in place more than one language and more than one culture as like a fundamental building block of, of Canada. Does that make sense? Yes. And so I find it fascinating to, to like to hear that these all sort of have the same the same roots. Um, you were talking about uh, changes to make the the act more robust. Has it changed since its introduction? It had one major change in 1988, and 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 a minor change in 2005. In 1988, we we clarified uh, the act with respect to uh, communications with and services to the public and in 2005 we added um, to section part 7 something called positive measures and government had to take positive measures to ensure the development and the vitality of official minority language communities in Canada and by the way those are francophone minorities outside of Quebec and the English speaking minority in Quebec so the the, the goal of of this modification was to to encourage government to take those steps necessary to ensure the vitality of these communities going forward. And uh, in June of this year, uh, the Prime Minister uh, in Parliament uh, stated that that his government will engage in a process of modernizing the Act, uh, okay. which will probably be after the election. Yeah. But uh, because things have changed over the last 50 years in Canada, yeah. um, just to give you an example, in 1969, we were 20 million. Today mm-hmm. we're 36 million. In 1969, we never talked about indigenous people in Canada. Today they're very much part of the conversation, very right. much part of reconciliation. Immigration has always been important, but immigration rates and levels increased dramatically in the 80s and 90s, and also technology. And then in 1969, the, the, the kinds of technological changes that we're, that we're seeing today were unheard of. And nobody could have predicted that we'd be having podcasts uh, right. in, in, in 2018. <laughs> and I remember the facts. Now, who uses faxes right. today? So, so it's not about – the, the law has to be technologically neutral. In other words, we won't tell people what are the devices and means you have to use to be able to communicate with and offer services to. That's, that, that's up to whoever the, 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 the institution is. But you have to use the appropriate technology. Right. So making it relevant to today's world compared to – because it was originally written 50 years ago. 50 years ago, yes. That makes sense. And so um, – 
to sort of dive into some of those changes, I, I want to talk about like the day-to-day impact of the act. What what does it do in like how does it impact someone's life? Well, I, I think uh, in, 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 in on a day to day basis, uh, we, we've become sort of accustomed to 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 what the act has done. Uh, throughout the country, there are a number, a significant number of government offices, federal government offices, who offer services in both French and English. Right. And uh, Air Canada, for example, if you if you fly Air Canada, you always hear the announcements in French and mm-hmm. English. So so it's very important uh, for Canada to to. So that we, we have, in terms of the linguistic landscape, that we hear the language, we see the language, and this is what the act does. And, and it's, it's, it's a very powerful symbol. And for people who read their their box of cornflakes, the ingredients are in French and English. Right. And at one point, that was extremely controversial. Now nobody really talks about it. It's become the norm. So so now it's the norm, so people really don't pay as much attention to it as they once did. Right. Except when you don't get your service in the language of your choice. The, the issue um, it, it is not as prom- prominent as it was. Mm-hmm. However, it only takes an event or two to basically bring this all back up. And uh, the example that we can talk about is what happened in Ontario. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do want to talk about uh, what happened in Ontario. I, I actually want to, um, I want to talk about the the provinces because this is the the official languages act that we're talking about is a is federal <laughs> and so how does that how does that work when it comes to provinces well in in canada the um the legislative landscape when it comes to language laws is very, very mixed and very diverse. You have a province like New Brunswick, which is officially bilingual, mm-hmm. and uh, they have their own uh, official language commissioner. They, they have duality in, in schools, those kinds of things. And then you go to Ontario, which, which has a French language services act, which is not the same uh, as as a constitutional commitment as they have in, in New Brunswick. And then in, in most other provinces, you have policies. It's not legislation okay. policies and uh, the degree of implementation varies widely from one province or a territory to another and however the act there is um, there is part of the act which is uh, article 25 I mean I know it's a bit technical but basically um, if if the federal government contracts with a third party in a province or with a province, there 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 is um, they, they they are subject to the act in delivering those services in both official languages. Got it. However, provinces for the most part uh, are totally free to to determine their own language legislation within their their borders, and. Um, what we do at the federal level is basically we have the power to, to we try to influence, we try to promote, we try to educate. Uh, we work a lot with uh, within schools. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of promotion within schools, and and no no. And you can see, for example, the importance of French immersion. Yeah. 400,000 children are enrolled in French immersion schools, 11% of the population. And that is something we, we also promote is, is second language learning. Mm-hmm. And so that's one way of, of, of helping provinces develop capacity. And, and the more, the more children go through French immersion, the more they become at ease in the second language and builds that capacity across the country. Okay. And so let's talk specifically about 
what happened in Ontario. Uh, Ontario moved to uh, uh, abolish the province's French language services commissioner. So what kind of impact is that likely to have? Or, or asked another way, what, what impact did that role have? Well, uh, the French Language Services Commission in Ontario is around for about 11 years. And in that time, uh, he did a significant amount of work in, in, in moving certain files forward in, in the areas of health, education, social services, by doing some, some very important research and then informing uh, ministries, informing ministers uh, on how best to meet their obligations under the French Language Services Act. One of the key roles of a French language commissioner, not like my, just like me, is promotion. You promote the idea of French language right. services to those who have to deliver. You educate. Uh, it's, and then also you, you have an, an ombudsman side where you take in complaints. Okay. And then you investigate those complaints to see or not whether the law was respected or not respected. So you have two roles. And right now, with the new configuration in Ontario, uh, it'll basically have a protection side, but not a promotion side, because the role of the ombudsman is not to promote. Right. So you've lost that advocacy part of it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I wanted to cycle back to to the the, the act itself because I was just thinking about uh, more than one language being on on packaging. English and French being on, you know, packaging for, like you said, cereal. Is that a part of the Languages Act, or is that something else? It's it's not part of the Act per se, but it is a piece of legislation that was was passed in the early seventies. Okay, that's sort and, of and it, to it go governs all with. the packaging okay. in Canada. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. I was sort of I was mulling that over, and I was like, oh, is that part of it, or is it okay? So, so really, the Act itself is about. Um, uh, it's those two pieces that you were just talking about the uh, the advocacy part and sort of the ombudsman part yeah, so so we have we have the the we the obligation to protect yep language language rights of Canadians and to promote English and French within society and within the act of course there are many parts to the act uh, there's there's part four which deals with uh, communication and services to the public there's uh, part five which deals with language of work which is very important mm. uh, in 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 bilingual regions and part seven as, as I mentioned earlier, is about promoting uh, the vitality of minority language communities. And there are other parts of the Act that deal with the justice system. Other parts of the Act would deal with, with the so-called powers of the commissioner. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's always about those, those, three, those three roles, which is to make sure that French and English are, are equal in, in Parliament, in federal institutions, ensure uh, the vitality and development of, of minority language communities, and to promote French and English as part of Canadian society. Okay. Are there other countries in the world that have anything like our official languages act? Uh, actually, uh, the uh, if you look at you know at the world, um, it's more of, of the norm than the exception. Okay. Um, there is an, there is the International Association of Language Commissioners. And uh, we meet regularly, and uh, by that I mean once a year. And uh, we have, for example, people from from Ireland, people from Wales. Last year we had a meeting in Kosovo, and Kosovo is really basing their official languages legislation on on our legislation. Uh, Then if you go to Catalonia, you go to Basque Country, um, 
in a lot of African countries, they they have they have the, they have local languages, and then they have the national language, which is either French or English. If you're in Western Africa, it's often French. If you're in other parts of Africa, it's English. Uh, bilingualism and multilingualism is very much the norm in many many countries, and. In North America, we're, we're sort of we're sort of at odds with that because our neighbor to the south is very much a unilingual country, right? Uh, with a high a number of Spanish speakers, but uh, but but there is, and they don't really have official language legislation. But the world has learned a lot from the Canadian experience because we've put in place uh, the 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 legislation. Uh, the infrastructure and the tools to make it happen, and and very simple things. For example, and this is something I'd like to really talk about. It's called active offer. Okay. Active offer is when you go, for example, to to um, uh, an office, uh, the federal government, or even let's even make it simpler. You go to Pearson Airport or or, or Ottawa, and somebody says hello, bonjour. Right. That's called active offer. And it gives you the option as a Canadian to respond in French or English. Maybe that person in front of you cannot speak the second language, but he or she is obligated to find someone who can. And they always have people who are available to answer your questions in the language of your choice. But hello, bonjour is such a simple, two little words. Right. But we've, we've got some really good data that shows that if somebody says hello, bonjour, 87% of the time, the person will choose the language of their choice. Right. But if you don't, it drops to 60. So just yep. hello, bonjour. And I was explaining that in Kosovo to the to to the the general of the Kosovo security force that when you intervene uh, you should use you should use Serb and Albanian right because it it, right. it, it, it it creates communication right it's oh that's so fascinating I had not even thought about that but it's and active offer is such a it's such a clear clean name for it too yeah. because that's all that you're doing is just saying here you have two options and I'm going to give you those two options by saying two words to you. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and so what does the future of uh, bilingualism or multilingualism look like in Canada? Well, uh, if we look at the, uh, some, some data, for example, uh, 98% of Canadians speak one or, one or, one or two official languages, mm-hmm. French or English. Uh, only 2% speak other. Uh, clearly, uh, in the country, we have a significant number of, of English speakers and Frank, French speakers, Quebec and Francophones outside Quebec. And the trends are, yeah, we have a lot of immigration. Uh, it brings it brings to Canada new languages, um, but uh, the the language of national the languages of the, for the national conversation are French and English. And, and I think uh, with with the with the modernization of the act. Uh, we we will we will basically strengthen uh, bilingualism in in this country. Also, uh, the official languages uh, action plan, which is put forward by the government uh, in two thousand in, in two thousand eighteen, has a very strong promotion component, and a very big part of that is education. And one of the things we really have to do in this country is to increase the number of Anglophones who speak French yes. outside of Quebec. And uh, that we've, we've inched up a little bit. So uh, one of the main goals of this action plan is to increase the number uh, of, of English Canadians who speak French. 
and it'll be a, a number of tools. Of course, the biggest tool is is, is education, mm-hmm. and we have a, a terrible shortage of, of French teachers in this country. So there are resources um, identified to try to recruit more French teachers. Also, uh, one of the one of the tools is the government is will be putting online. As a, a, a system to learn French or English, just all, all online. We're still waiting for it, okay? Uh, because that's the key. We have to increase the number of, of bilingual citizens uh, in this country uh, so that they can have access to to, to opportunities and those kinds of mm-hmm. things. But the future is bright. Um, I think. Canadians have embraced uh, bilingualism, official languages. Most surveys always say about 80% or more of Canadians approve of official languages. Uh, the age group, uh, 18 to 34, is over 90%. Uh, they have no issues with it. But I think we, we have to make sure that, that people have access to quality language training. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us. If someone is looking to find out more, is there somewhere online that they can they can find out about your your office and and what you're up to? Yeah, there there there's a there's a website. Yep. and and basically it's uh, officiallanguages.gc.ca. Fantastic. <laughs> and and there's lots of information. There's historical timelines. There's uh, there's a Q and A. There's there's lots of information. It's updated all the time, and there's all kinds of resources too for for people to use. I feel like I've done uh, my best job on this show when I have given myself homework at the end, and so uh, I have I have homework to do now. <laughs> so thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Sometimes I forget just how simple Interact eTransfer is to use. I use it for everything, from paying the babysitter to paying back a friend. We've all seen the drastic changes in payment technology, and Canada is an international leader when it comes to developing a modern payment system. Learn about the role Interact is playing in shaping the future of payments at interact.ca. 